jumping in. We're recording. We're in Esther chapter six. Okay. Esther chapter six. Quick review, right? Esther is having a party slash banquet dinner with King A and Haman, right? Ty, why in the world would she bring Haman to this thing? Why? Because uh, she's, he wants him there because she's afraid that he's just going to go behind her back and talk to the king. Yeah. Uh, that he still wants to hang the Jews. Good. She's got to keep Haman in front of her, right? Haman wants to hang the Jews. Boo. Never a good, never a good idea, especially in the Old Testament, right? Um, and Mordecai goes to Esther and says, you've got to help us, right? Now, Cam, Esther's title changes to Queen Esther. Why does her title change to Queen Esther? Or why does it, why is she now being called Queen Esther? She's finally stepping into her role and sacrificing herself for her people. Yes, she is acting like a queen. In leadership, we are called to die to ourselves. Be that, be that leading in a family, be that leading as a parent, be that leading in a relationship. That's what leadership is, okay? That's what godly leadership is. And isn't it interesting, um, Alexa, what is Esther, when Mordecai first goes to Esther and says, hey, you've got to help us, what is Esther's first response to all this? She said, I mean, I guess, but also I could die. Yeah. yeah and so she, she was kind of hesitant and didn't really right. want to. Yeah. She basically is like, do I have to, right? And so now this is where Jesus is foreshadowed, okay? Esther kind of leaves you wanting a leader, a ruler who will die to themselves for their people, Okay. Esther kind of leaves that taste in your mouth of, I wish there was a leader who wouldn't, who wouldn't have to be, it's not the most moving portrait ever if you have to drag your leader across to, to sacrifice for the people. Does that make sense? Like we need a leader who would willingly do that. And that's, that leader is going to come. Okay. So that's where we are. Now, Haman comes out of the first banquet and he's been invited to the second banquet, right? And he's super pumped. But then he runs into somebody. Abigail, do you remember who Haman runs into as he leaves the banquet? Was it his wife? Okay, right before that. Someone, he runs into someone and it makes him like super angry. Oh, it's Mordecai. Oh, yeah, of course. It's Mordecai. Mordecai won't bow to him. So his wife, Zeresh, says, then go to the king and ask the king to hang Mordecai on these gallows, right? Now, last thing, Ty, these gallows aren't like Pirates of the Caribbean gallows. What's going on here? What are these gallows? It's kind of like a, a pole that they would hang them on. Yeah, literally, they would be nailed to this piece of wood, right? Which is a pretty big foreshadow of what's going to come, Okay. Delano, welcome. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, pal. Um, okay, so Esther chapter six, now we get into it. So things don't look good. Esther is kind of doing this, this interesting, and I remember we talked about this too. She is warming the king over, right? There's a strategy here. She's not trying to drag her feet anymore, but she can't be foolish about this. King A's um, ego is crazy. So you got to tread lightly when dealing with crazy people, that's kind of pastor 101, right? When you're dealing with crazy people, just take your time, all right? So anyway, 
All right, so let's jump in here. Cam, can you read Esther chapter six? Can you go one and two? That night sleep sorry. <laughs> that night sleep escaped the king. So he ordered the book recording daily events to be brought and read to the king. They found their written report of how Mordecai had had informed on Oh Big Santa. Big Santa and unfortunate name. Teresh. Two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the entrance when they planned to assassinate King A. Okay. So first of all, there's a problem here. Now remember um alexa what's the genre of esther it's a what it's a comedy it's a comedy not and that doesn't necessarily have to be like knee slap funny but it's just like circumstantially crazy humorous things happen and this is a good example like this is kind of the 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 pinnacle of the whole book um what's the problem abigail with king a in verse one what's his issue not sleep he can't sleep all right oh can I get an amen, college kids, right? You can't sleep. So he then, Ty, orders what to be done? Uh, he wanted a book brought to him. A book? What is in this book? Uh, memorable deeds. Memorable things of history. And then we realize what, what gets read about here. What is this? Uh, Alexa, what, what, is, what is being read about? Um, are you talking about like what he reads or like what's yes. in there? Yes. Okay, uh, he that. reads that like Mordecai exposed the two um, guards who are like planning to kill him. Yeah, good. So this is at the end of Esther chapter two, okay? He's reading, now, now, now let's wait a second. So the goal of this reading, Cam, is, is so that King A can what? So essentially he can fall asleep again. Speaking so you can go to sleep. Yeah. And so what tie, what famous ruler is he reading about? Um, he's reading about himself. Yeah. So he's reading about his own kingship to put him to sleep. You see what I'm saying? He's boring himself to death with his own, with his own rulership. So anyway, so through, so first of all, this is King A's pride which ends up rescuing the Jews, which we'll get to. And then we'll see Haman's pride later do the same thing. Okay, so <clears throat> he's reading about himself to put himself to sleep. And then he comes across this story where Mordecai, remember at the end of Esther 2, where Mordecai rescues him, okay, by, by blowing the whistle on this issue. Cam, can you just read three? The king inquired what honor and special recognition have been given to Mordecai for this act. The king's personal attendants replied, nothing has been done for him. Okay. Now, so we realize that the king never gave Mordecai any kind of reward for this. Okay. Now, what we know about Persian society based on these early chapters that we've already read is everyone's kind of crazy. Okay. It's super unhinged. Remember, what was the job, Ty, what was the job of the two guys who tried to kill the king? What was their original job? They were eunuchs. They were eunuchs. There was something else to it, though. Oh, they protected the king. They were his own guards. So now, if someone saves your life and you forget to honor them, what might, why could that possibly be a bad thing? They might not do it again. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And worse, if they've risked their neck for you and you haven't rewarded them, 
they may start to plan something. So he immediately wants to rectify this and give Mordecai a reward for a past deed that he forgot about. Okay, are we all on the same page? Does that make sense? Alexa, can you read four and five? <clears throat> the king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about impaling Mordecai on the pool he had set up for him. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. Okay, good. Now we really start to see what's going on here. First of all, let's go to King Cam. What is the first thing the king does to try to solve this problem? He asks who is in the court. All right. What does that tell us? Remember back to the earlier parts in one of King A's big flaws. What's going on again here? He's not going to do uh, what he's supposed to do. Okay. Well, you're right there, Ty. He, he can't ever do anything on his own, right? His wife, remember, what does King A do, Cam, when Vashti shows him up? What's the first thing King A does? when his wife disappoints him? I mean, he, he essentially just breaks down and um, orders a decree that all men in the kingdom must, uh, yeah. all women must obey their husbands. He, he like has an issue with his wife and he calls all his buddies to come and help, like to figure this out. And so again, he's gotta ask for help again. So, and then Cam, can you read, no, I'm sorry, Alexa, can you just read four until I tell you to stop? The king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer okay, court. Stop. Haman had just happened to enter at the same time King A is looking for someone. Remember in Esther, excuse me, in Ruth chapter two, where Ruth, remember what it says? She just happened upon Boaz's field. Remember we talked about this? This is, this, it's blatant sarcasm. And the guy's point is, the Lord is clearly at work in this whole thing, okay? Just as King A, he can't sleep. He's going through his own records, which is so vain, but also funny because he's trying to put himself to sleep. He happens to read the account of his records where he doesn't help Mordecai. So he wants to help him now. And just as he's looking for someone to get advice from, here comes Haman. Now, what is Haman actually there to do? What's Haman's goal for coming into the office here? What does Haman uh, he wants, want? Go ahead. He wants to tell the king that he wants to hang Mordecai. To kill Mordecai, right? He hates Mordecai, the worst. Um, and then also just interesting, at the end of five, it says Haman is standing in the court and the king says, let him come in. Why does it have to be that way? What do we already know about the book of Esther? Go ahead, Alexa. I don't know if it's what you're thinking of, but is this where like the king has to like say yes or no, you can come in. If he doesn't, then you get killed. Yeah, you can't just okay. waltz in. The king has to bring you in. So this is just, again, just nothing significant. It's just that, that pattern repeats here, okay? So he comes in and then the king asks for some advice. Ty, can you just read, let's see, can you read six? Yes. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, What should be done to the man whom the king delights to honor? And Haman said to himself, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? All right. All right. Here we go. 
so begins the descent of Haman. First problem. What's the first problem with this verse based on Haman's reaction? What's, what's, what's he doing wrong here? What's going on? Cam, what does Haman do here that is not a good start? According to verse six. He thinks of himself. Yeah, man. You see where it says Haman said to himself, that is like the description of Haman's life. Like Haman's, so then this is a lesson to us. Haman is, is the embodiment of pride. Okay. The problem of pride and pride is coloring his view of everything. Remember Alexa, you mentioned rose colored glasses. Pride does that to every situation we're in. It makes us think of ourselves. It doctors like pride isn't just bad because it's bad to be selfish. Being selfish creates bad consequences for us. It creates negative consequences. Haman's pride, King A has not said that it's about him. And yet Haman automatically assumes it. And this is going to be his downfall. His pride is doctoring every, everything runs through Haman. Even what the king is asking him has got to run through Haman. It's all about Haman all the time. Okay. So whom the, would the king delight to honor more than me? Well, let's see what, ha- so remember Haman is assuming that the king's going to honor him. So here we go. Alexa, can you read seven through nine? So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on its head. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse of the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Okay, so several things here, right? That now, again, these aren't things that Haman thinks should happen to someone else, right? Ty, what does Haman actually want? What's, what's the deal here? He wants it for himself. This is what Haman wants. Now, let's look at what Haman wants. This is important. Um, for the man the king delights to honor, who else has worn these robes that Haman wants to get? The king. The king. Um, who else has worn the the diadem or the crown? Go ahead, Ty. The king. All right. And then Alexa, who else has ridden this horse? The king. All right. So essentially, Abigail, what is Haman asking for here? Didn't hear you, sorry. To be the king for a moment? He literally is asking to be the king. Now his job, what is his current title, Alexa? What's his job right now? Where does he stand in Persia? This is not like the official title, but like he's like second in command. Yeah, he is. He's the vice president of Persia. He really is. But which which should be, I, that would be enough, right? Just think of the Hamilton musical. Anyway, that would it would be enough. That would be it. That would be great. But with Haman's pride, more is always better. What could be better than being second in command of all of Persia? Being first in command of Persia. What would be better than having a million dollars? Having two million dollars. 
having what could be better than $2 million? $5 million. Pride, and it is a comedy, but this is where it does get sad too. Pride is this self-defeating black hole, okay? Ty, what does a black hole do? It just sucks in everything. It, it never gives anything. It always more and more and more and more. It can never be filled. It can never be helped. It can never be satisfied. And that's the problem. Mankind, you and me, college student, youth pastor, we have a hole in us that was created when we were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. We have a desperation to get back to something and we will consume the world if we can get back to what we miss. And what we, it's not, we don't think it's Eden. We don't think it's fellowship with God. So we try to fill it with everything else. Empires, the opposite sex, um, you know, you name it. We try to fill it and it never satisfies it never fills us with what we actually want imagine i'll use a couple of examples here but one example is you know all these famous movie stars and hollywood stars who are just the most attractive people in the world literally and they get together and then they get a divorce and it's like and and i mean i'm just college student but it's like you get to be intimate with the most attractive person in the world and they get to be intimate with the most attractive person in the world. How can you possibly get a divorce? Because that's not enough. They think it's going to be enough. We think it's going to be enough and then it doesn't satisfy. And so we think, oh, well, it must be the next person. And so we just, it, that's what Haman's doing with power instead of sex. I'm just using sex because it's an example in our culture but it's never enough. It will never be enough. So also, and here's the other thing too, the word royal or king is used eight times in two verses. That's what Haman wants. He wants this royalty. He wants to be king. He wants this kind of power. Now, he doesn't just want the robe and the crown and the horse, okay? Look at the next part. Um, let's go, Cam, can you just read nine? Um, put the garment on the horse under the charge of one of the king's most noble officials. Have them clothe the man the king wants to honor, parade him on the horse through the city square, and proclaim before him, this is what is done for the king the man wants to honor. Okay, this is super important. I actually just kind of realized this, so, all right, now think about this. Ty, let's see if we can get you there. It's not enough for him to be king. Do you see that? He's already, he's got the robe. He's got the horse. He's got the, let's see the other one, the robes. He's king, but it's not enough for him to be king. What else has to happen according to this verse? It's like a, a parade showing that he's been delighted by the king. Okay. It's not enough for him to be king. He's got to be king and Everyone has to know it. You see that? He's got to be recognized. He can't just be king. He's got to be seen as king. There's a depth 
here. He wants to be seen. He wants to be recognized. He wants to be adored and treasured, which again is something we will never be able to have fully outside of God. God treasuring us and valuing us. That's what we really want. And that's what we have in Jesus Christ. But until we realize that, we'll be seeking it in other people. Have you ever had a friend, and I hope I'm not treading on anybody's toes here, maybe a little. Have you ever had that friend who dates a guy and just disappears off the face of the earth? Does that make sense? Or who dates the girl, obviously I'm flipping around, and who disappears off the face of the earth? That's what happens when you find a new God. Does that make sense? Because God is the only one that should require of you you have to give up your friends and your family and your job to follow me. But we treat our significant other like gods sometimes. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. We want to be seen. We want to be valued. We want to be treasured. So again, look at how it keeps building. Haman can't just be second in command in Persia. He's got to be second in command and everyone will bow to him, including Mordecai. He can't just be king of Persia king of Persia. He's got to be king of Persia and everyone has to know it. It will never be enough. It will never satisfy him until, and now think about it. He, he wants to be, he wants to rule everyone. He wants to be God. Does that make sense? He has this craving in his soul that only God can fill, but even then he still gets it wrong, not be with God. He wants to be God. And that's the, I mean, what, what does Ty, do you remember, what does Satan say to Adam and Eve in the garden? If you eat this tree, you will what? Uh, you will know what God knows. You will become like God. You'll be like God. This is the same thing over and over again. So anyway, all right. So we get there. We beat that to death. Great job. And he wants to be paraded through the town square, okay? That's what should happen. That's what should happen to the man the king delights to honor, right? Now, let's see what happens. Alexa, can you read 10? Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse and do just as you have suggested for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. Oh, man. So, first of all, who does this... So, the king... So, all right, let's take it in pieces. Cam, does the king love this idea or hate it? He's all for it. It's a great idea. Oh, it's better than I could have thought. What an incredible way to treat someone. This is so great. So, Haman, let's have you go and do this to Alexa. Who gets this treatment? Mordecai. Nice. Now, Ty, look at this. Ten, read, Ty, just read 10 again. <clears throat> then the king said to Haman, hurry, take the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do so to Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Leave out nothing that you have mentioned. Abigail, not only is Mordecai going to be dressed in a king's robe, paraded through the town, which is Haman's fantasy, but who is the one who's going to lead the parade praising Mordecai? 
Heyman? Yeah. Okay. I was like, Abigail, there's only <laughs> one answer here. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no. So yeah, Haman. Now, now follow this. It's not just great idea, Haman. We're going to be sure Mordecai gets this. Haman has to lead the church because notice in verse nine, let the robes be handed over to the one of the most noble officials. Let, let them, and what did they do in verse nine? Let them dress the man. Do you see that in verse nine? So Haman's got to dress Mordecai. Haman has to be in this very like face-to-face -face intimate moment with Mordecai, who many king likes to honor, and let them lead him on the horse through the square of the city, proclaiming before him. So Haman has to like scream out how wonderful Mordecai is. This is a nightmare. I know Christians don't hate people. Imagine someone that you hate though. Like imagine someone that you can't stand and you have to proclaim to the world while this dude's on horseback in the king's robes with the crown, how wonderful he is. It is an absolute disaster. Now, also, um, in, according to verse 9, Ty, where does this take place? Uh, the city square. The city square is the most populated place. I mean, think of like Central, you know, Central Park and Town Square in New York City. It's the same idea. This is the most populated part of the city. This is where business is done. This is where buying and selling and government. Remember in the book of Ruth at, at the city gate is where everything went down. It's kind of the same thing in Persia. Everyone who's anyone will be there for this. And they're going to see Haman parading Mordecai, pasting his face all over the internet as the most loved man in the city of Persia. This is Persia's, this is Persia's sexiest man alive. And it's Mordecai, okay? The most popular influencer of his generation is Mordecai. And Haman's going to announce it for everyone. Now, this is complicated, though, because, Alexa, what edict has Haman already made King A announce is going to take place in a couple of months here? Uh, all Jews need to be killed. And Ty, what nationality is Mordecai? He's a Jew. Now, why is this now extremely complicated for King A? Go ahead, Alexa. You got it? Because they want to kill all the Jews, but also they're parading a Jew around. And not just any Jew. This is like Mordecai exactly. the Jew. Like, this is the Jew. Exactly. And so if you're like parading him around, then like you're contradicting you. Yeah. King A has now put him, and he doesn't know it yet. He doesn't know it yet. Only we know it. King A has put himself in this brutal position he has made Mordecai America's sweetheart, if that makes sense. And now they're going to have to kill him, right? Like, think about this. This is, and, and it's Haman's fault. This was Haman's idea, but Haman's the one who got the edict published in the first place. So all this is about to come crashing down on Haman. You see this? Because King A is not going to get in any trouble. He's the king. But Haman has tripped the king into falling on his own edict he has just made this guy the people's champion and now he has to kill him because cam what's one of the laws regarding any law king a issues what's the rule about any law the king issues 
it can't be undone or taken back. That's right. You can't take it back. It ha- so he's stuck now, and it's Haman's fault. So let's see how Haman responds here. Ty, can you read 11? Read 11. So Haman took the robes and the horse, and he dressed Mordecai and led him through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Okay, here's what's cool about this verse. Notice how there's no emotion in this verse. Does that make sense? It's very cut and dry, which I don't even know. Have you ever been so mad and defeated that you literally just like don't even feel anything anymore? That's where Haman is at this point. That's why they're reading it like this. It's almost like triple funny Like it would be funny if he was like ranting and raving, but it's like three times as funny here because now he's just stuck. Like he has to, he can't say no to the king. Like that's why the verse is so cut and dry because in Haman's heart is just exploding with rage and, and, and disaster and heartbreak and like anxiety and emotion. It's all swirling. And all the while, Ty, what is Haman saying out loud, according to verse 11? He's basically saying Mordecai is king. Yeah, the, literally the worst, right? <laughs> so let's see how he responds. Cam, can you just read 12? Um, then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried off to home, for home, mournful with his head covered. Yeah, mourning with his hands covered covered also sorry i missed this one in 10 in verse 10 mordecai the jew who sits at the king's gate is exactly how mordecai is introduced in chapter 5 when he doesn't bow to haman now follow this see if i can do it visually you got mordecai at the king's gate who doesn't bow to haman so haman wants him to get executed but instead he gets praised now we get mordecai at the king's gate again It's this reversal taking place. Does that make sense? We start with Mordecai at the king's gate, who's going to die. Now we get Mordecai at the king's gate, who's going to live. And Haman's the one who's up the creek. It's this reversal taking place. Esther has been on this downward spiral this whole time. And now after this king's sleepless night, things are starting to change for the Jewish people. This great reversal is taking place on the cross jesus christ is crucified but then he is resurrected from the dead and all his people will now be resurrected from the dead with him it's this great the great reversals of the new testament are starting to echo here in esther it shows that god's salvation god's salvation for israel back up God's salvation for his people comes through a great reversal from certain death to certain life. Am I talking about Esther or the New Testament there? Both. It's the same pattern. God is using this echo in Esther in the New Testament. All right, here we go. Sorry, that was a lot. Um, Now, here's here's the other thing. Let's think outside the box here. Remember, Chapter six is all about pride, Haman's pride. How could Haman, in the context of his pride, 
how could Haman have avoided this problem? How could Haman have gotten exactly what he wanted in this situation? Now think about this. The way he ruins his situation, how does Haman ruin his situation in this, ver in this chapter? How does he go from great to ruining everything? Go ahead, Alexa. Well, he assumed it was himself who's going to get all this honor. Yeah. If he didn't assume it was himself, then he wouldn't be over here parading Mordecai around like a show pony, making everyone love mm -hmm. him. So like if he didn't immediately jump to his own conclusions and say, oh, well, I'm the best, so therefore I'm going to get it, he could have just if not gotten all this mess. That's exactly right, Alexa. If Haman's pride hadn't gotten in the way, he would have gotten everything he wanted. But his pride, and that's the other lesson here too. Not only is pride, you know, pride is bad. Well, but what does that mean? Pride is bad because one, it distorts our vision like it did with Haman. He automatically assumed it was about him, right? And it wasn't. Pride distorts our vision in our circumstances, making us crazy. But pride is also ultimately self-destructive. This is Haman's fault. If Haman had come in, one, not assuming it was about him, or two, maybe it was about, he doesn't know, maybe it's about him, but instead of being so prideful, he says, keep it quiet and, and give the man a, a, a good check, give him a salary. Then Mordecai gets paid and nobody knows anything about him. But Haman's pride got in the way and he wanted everything. And now it's all crashing down on his head. When we make gods out of the things we want, those gods end up killing us. Think about, huh, this happened to me in school. I mean, I'm 31. I think I can be comfortable admitting it now. But like, like, and maybe you guys have done this with people that you've dated in the past, but like you kind of bury them, like you smother them to death. Like you're always communicating with them, always talking to them. And they almost like collapse under the weight of that relationship. It's because they were never meant to be a God, right? You, you worship your job. So you sacrifice your family for that job so that you can provide for your family. But then you just lose your family. Your job has destroyed the very reason. The very reason you have a job is to help support your family. But you made your job a god, and now it's destroyed your family. Tim Keller said something I thought was really impactful. Think about in the Old Testament where they would sacrifice their children to false gods. You know, we do that here in America, but we sacrifice them to the god of your job instead of the god of Molech. Does that make sense? You sacrifice your kids to being a pro baseball player someday instead of the god of Molech. Does that make sense? So we treat these things as gods. Haman's pride, Haman was Haman's God, and that's what's going to get him killed, is worshiping the false god of himself. False gods aren't bad just because, well, gee golly, that's bad. They're, why are they bad, though? Because they lead to destruction, because it's a lie because it's chasing after the wind, right? All right, let's finish this out. Um, Ty, can you read 13? Yes. <clears throat> and Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that happened to him. Then his wise men 
And his wife Zeresh said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of the Jewish people, you will not overcome him because you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. I think this is funny. Even his friends are like, Ugh. you know what I mean? Like even his friends are like, no, man, this is pretty much it. Like they, they don't. And, and but again, now, Ty, in the previous chapter, what were all his friends doing? What was going on with him and all his friends? They were hyping him up. <laughs> yeah, they were telling him they were listening to him talk about. Do you remember what he was talking about in chapter five, Alexa? What was Haman talking about with his friends and his wife? Well, is that the one where he was like, I'm so great. I have so much wealth. Look at me. I'm fan-freaking-tastic. Yeah. Is that where he was? Yes, and I think okay. that's the Hebrew. Yeah, that's great. He, he was talking <laughs> about himself, and his, and his buddies were all hyping him up. And again, now what are they saying, basically, Ty? What are all his friends basically saying to him now? All right, well, well, he got you good on that one. <laughs> wow, you totally blew this. Yeah, now notice, yeah. notice, notice. Here's, the, here's this reversal again. It's the, now, like, the author didn't have to, like, this verse doesn't matter. Like, who cares that he went back to his friends and he talked to them? But the author is trying to show us that this reversal is happening. He went to his friends because Mordecai the Jew at the king's gate was terrible, and so they hype him up, and now he's going to go kill him, and now he's got to praise Mordecai who sits at the king's gate, and his friends hate him. Now, now watch this. Mordecai, or yeah, there we go. Mordecai, who sits at the king's gate, like, has got to be killed. So Haman's friends hype him up. Haman ruins it with his own pride. Now Mordecai, who sits at the king's gate, lives, and his friends hate him. See that reversal? It is the exact same story beats from five and six. They've just reversed, okay? So yeah, they basically said, "Wow, this is you're you're kind of in huge trouble." Um, Cam, can you finish this off with fourteen? Um, while they were still speaking to him, the king's eunuchs arrived and rushed him into the banquet Esther had prepared. Now, here's the other reversal. Here, now remember, Haman. How did Ty? How did Haman feel about being invited to the banquets before all this? Uh, I can't remember if it was a. Uh... The first one, he felt like he was, he was good because he was next to the king. Yeah, but then he's, the second he's one, super, he's super pumped about it all. But mm. now things have gone way out of his control. Does that make sense? Who's the only other person in this book that has been swept up into circumstances outside of their control earlier in the book? Remember this? So it was Esther when she was pulled into the king's harem. She is taken out of her own control. And again, here's this reversal again. Esther is taken by the king's harem in a situation she has no control over, thrown into this situation, and she's totally passive. And Haman is ruling over the whole thing like this dark shadow. Now Esther has taken charge and become queen and is in control and Haman is the one who is sliding. Have you ever been sliding on ice, right? Now Haman is the one who's totally out of control. He's being, he doesn't want to go to this, but he's just being swept into this banquet. Now that's, I mean, think about it. while they were yet talking with him. So this is, he's being interrupted while they were yet talking with him. The King's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman to the feast. He's being ushered out. Come on, we got to go. It's time for the king. 
he's, he's totally out of control now. In the course of one night, wham, totally out of control. One of the other big points here, look at how God is in total control of this whole situation. The king can't sleep. He reads his own chronicles, his own pride, just as Haman is walking in. This is the Lord at work. Now, the point here is not the Lord is going to cause things to fall into place perfectly in your life every time. That's not the point. But the point is God's will is never going to be defeated in any situation. The point of this chapter is the perfect control that God is in, in every situation, in every scenario. He's in total control. Everything's going according to plan. His plans cannot be thwarted or defeated. He is in lockstep in control of the entire situation. So the tables have turned on Haman. Tables, maybe there's a banquet joke in there. I don't know. The tables have turned on Haman, right? He's not in control as we thought. Thank you, Abigail and Cam, for appreciating that joke. Um, So he's kind of getting swept into this new situation. All right. We're done with Esther for a few weeks, okay? We've got our in-person, we're doing, we're finishing Revelation 19 this Sunday. We'll spend the next few Sundays going through Revelation, then we'll pick it back up in Esther in a few weeks on Sundays, okay? But I encourage you guys to read it on your own. It's a pretty straightforward read, and it's pretty crazy what all happens, and we'll see how Esther leaves us wanting more of Jesus instead, but it's a great story. You guys have been wonderful. Any questions before we close? Questions, comments? Everybody good to go? Yeah, Alexa, what's up? Um, whenever we finish Revelation, are we going to do like a quick review of Esther? Or are you going to go like chapter seven? Like, yeah, that's a good you... call. That's a good call. We probably will do kind of a, uh, even when we finish Revelation, we're probably going to take one Sunday and kind of do a jet tour back through Revelation to hit some of the high points. Um, and then the next week, we'll probably do a summary of Esther one through six, and then we'll pick it up in seven. So it may be okay. like, we may be like knee deep into summer by the time we get back to it. But rest assured you guys won't be lost. And then in the fall, like I said, in the fall, we'll be meeting again in person, Lord willing, every Thursday night, 630 to eight worship, um, Bible teaching, free food. It's going to be awesome. Um, new t-shirts. It's going to be great. And we're going through John, first John through third John. So like those three little books in the new Testament, but anyway, so we'll finish all this in the coming weeks. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Good question. Ty, can you pray us out? We'll be done. Yes. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for just giving us this opportunity again to to worship you. Uh, We thank you for the lesson that we received and for learning something new. I pray that we uh, just reflect on what we learned and just allow us to be back when we dive back into Esther. Uh, We just thank you for the memories that were made as we've gone through Esther so far and just bring us back when we uh, start back in chapter seven up in the summertime, Lord, in the precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Love you guys. See you Sunday for revelation, hopefully. Um, yeah, we'll pick it up later. All right. Bye guys.